Are you talking shift? We are. It's time for the We're Talking Shift podcast. Now, now, now. Here to talk shift, Lori Bischoff. We're talking shift. Hello, everyone. Welcome to episode 66 of We're Talking Shift, the podcast where I talk a lot of shift because I believe that when we feel stuck or when it's time to level up, rise to a challenge, or make any kind of shift in our lives, the process must begin with a shift in our thinking. It is the antidote to feeling stuck. Today, I am honored to be speaking with a very special guest. Casey Miller is the founder, director, and chief spiritual officer of the award-winning private college, Southwest Institute of Healing Arts, a.k.a. SWEHA, one of the largest providers of holistic healthcare education in this country. It offers holistic health education online and on campus. Casey is a longtime reflexologist, polarity practitioner, life coach, a toe reader. I know, that's got you raising eyebrows, right? We're going to talk to her about that later. And she is also an ordained minister. This amazing woman wears a lot of hats and can claim many titles, but the one that she chooses to use the most is Instrument of Spirit. How beautiful is that? Now, Casey has been nominated for numerous awards and even interviewed on CNN to discuss the amazing and, yes, rather curious art of toe reading. She's one of the gifted speakers at many of the Celebrate Your Life events where hundreds of people stand in lines for hours to get their toes read by her. I'm really curious about having her share this with you guys because I know a lot of people are familiar with palm reading, but not many are familiar with the art of toe reading. So that's going to be fun. Casey was featured on MTV's number one dating reality program, Next, and has been on numerous news and radio programs throughout the country. I first met Casey in 2008 as a student attending SWEHA. I first learned of the profession of life coaching in 2007, and I knew instantly that it was for me. So after searching a variety of schools and training facilities, I landed on SWEHA for three main reasons. One, credibility. SWEHA is an award-winning, nationally accredited, private, holistic health college, and that that meant a lot to me. Two, um, it is a spiritually-based foundational college. I mean, that's that was something that I sought out because I was concerned that if I was going to be able to be doing life coaching professionally, the spiritual aspect was very important to me. And I wanted to make sure that that was woven into the curriculum. So SWEHA absolutely covered that base for me. Um, the third reason was that the campus is located in Tempe, Arizona. So I was able to attend classes in person rather than being limited to online training, which is what I preferred at that time. So Casey has created a very unique environment at SWEHA. It It's not only an award-winning learning facility with a focus on the healing arts, but it's also infused with an energy that makes it feel more like a sanctuary than a school. It's like even when you graduate and leave SWEHA, it never leaves you. And I can tell you that there are thousands of people that have that same sentiment. So I just, I really wanted to learn more about the woman who is responsible for this very special and 
somewhat magical place and find out how she became the founder of a college. I mean, how does that happen? What kind of of person and circumstances makes one say, I think uh, for my next trick, I'm going to start a college. I mean, it's rather unusual. So let's find out. Casey Miller, welcome to We're Talking Shift. Well, thank you. I'm I'm humbled. Like to listen to that much, it's like you have to take a deep breath and like, whoa! Thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you. <laughs> well, you, um, I know you are very humble, but you are one impressive woman, and so I'm just, I am, I'm humbled to have you on my show. So thank, thank you. I. I have to tell you, and we have a we have a lot to talk about, and I have a lot of questions for you. But I gotta I gotta tell you my very first memory of meeting you, and okay. it was yeah. it was it was in 2008 when I was in um, my life coach training class, and I don't remember the topic of of the class that evening, but you came in to speak to the class for a few minutes, and I I, I recall like just this tiny sliver in time where. The students, we were all sitting around on the floor in a group, and for some reason, you had me stand up, you you picked me, you pointed to me, and I don't know why, um, and you had me stand up, and you asked me a question, which I don't even recall exactly what it was. Maybe it was something like, why are you here, or, you know, um, but all I remember was I, I responded, I gave my response, I had been a... a, a a student of personal growth and spirituality for a long time. So I remember saying something about being part of the kind of this movement of this, the, the raising of consciousness of the planet or, or something like that. And, uh, and then you said, um, how does it feel to have everybody seeing you and hearing you? Um, which was an interesting question to ask me because that was like not exactly in my comfort zone. <laughs> so I, uh, I I responded to you and I believe I said the words. Well, it actually feels kind of delicious, <laughs> and, you, <laughs> yeah. and that's what you did. You chuckled and um, <laughs> and and it was just uh, one of those. It was a moment in time that for some reason it just really. Um, was meaningful to me and it meant something and I never forgot it. So uh, anyway, thank you. And that's just, uh, I, that's just where I wanted to start. It's uh, I wasn't, I'm not an extrovert. I'm naturally an introvert. And, and I think that it's one of the points that I want to make is that you've created an environment at Sweeha where people not only feel excited about expressing themselves, but You've also made it so that it's very comfortable, and we feel we feel safe in doing that. So that's that's I think the biggest point there. That that was something that I would have been really uncomfortable doing in other circumstances. But thanks to well, you'll what, you'll love this quote that I have that was a download, and it's this: Spirit can't use you if you insist on staying in your comfort zone. Uh, Spirit yes. can't use you if you insist on staying in your comfort zone. And that's so oftentimes what I what I find is that people have a comfort zone. They would rather sit or perhaps stay with a thought that they're an introvert rather than stand and be seen. One of the life missions that I have is that no one goes unseen. In fact, we have t-shirts and we have a whole movement that says, I see you. Because what we do know is that so often people don't feel seen. 
and in that unseenness that sometimes they actually lose hope and make dramatic life decisions about yeah. not even having life anymore. So, yeah, yeah. Yep. that to me is is what I love about what you're doing is that you're you've gotten out of your comfort zone, yes. and it's all about helping people understand that a comfort zone is really just something that could be similar to a box. And how are we going to leave that comfort zone so that spirit might use us? That's why I love to be known as an instrument of spirit, that that it, we get these invitations and these, these downloads are really directions if we don't talk ourselves out of being comfortable. Yeah, you're so right. And it's uh, there was a lot of uncomfortable uh, moments going through, <laughs> going through yeah. that, that, that whole process of, of becoming a, of a, a coach. And it wasn't about the material. It wasn't about what I knew or didn't know. It was about having that, that confidence to be able to get out of my comfort zone enough and be willing to be seen and heard. So, yeah. Yeah, it was it was not something I was conditioned to do growing up. I was conditioned to, to be, you know, kind of just quiet and um, be seen in a very nice way. <laughs> and, and that's it. So, so it was a process of unlearning and then, yeah. Uh, yeah, and then mustering up the courage to just, you know, jump in the deep end of the pool a little bit and it's uh, and find out, wow, I, I actually can swim. <laughs> Who knew? Absolutely. You know, we're we're going into our 28th year of being in business, being a college. And one of the things that we did last year is we took the time to interview our staff, our instructors, and our students. And we said to you, these are the 12 values that we think are important. What are what's important to you? And so for me, the the top value has always been to be spirit directed. And I love that you affirmed that that's one of the reasons that you chose to come to the school. What was interesting is when we did the value survey, the number two thing, the, 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 the number two value that came out from these three groups was a safe space in which to change and grow. Isn't that just amazing? Uh-huh. Like that was what thousands of people are looking for, a safe space in which to learn and grow. And what we teach in the life coaching program, which you've certainly mastered, is how do we create that safe, sacred space to have a conversation, to Mm -hmm. express a dream that we've maybe never expressed before. And that probably is, is what I've now come to realize is, wow, what if we began to have that be our goal? Let me be a safe space for someone so that they might express whatever it is that has been unexpressed. Yes, yes, I love it. And it is... um... It's, you know, until you start to really sink into the concept that a lot of people don't feel that, you you know, it just kind of goes over your head, but it's so important. It's just, you know, it's part of our, I think that it's one of our fundamental human needs is to feel that you have some significance in, you know, in in your family, in your community, in the world, just in life, whatever that looks like for you, it's got to be fulfilled and, and being seen and being acknowledged that you exist is, is such an important thing that I think is, is oftentimes over, overlooked and undervalued and, and it makes 
such a big difference to people um, when they feel like somebody does just acknowledge that they exist. It's it Absolutely. seems yeah, it seems simple, and even just talking about it, you it's hard to convey the depth of how important that is. One of the things I've always said is there are no extra people. Like if you meet somebody, they are there in your life, in your path for a reason. There's nobody that's extra. And if we begin to live our life in a way that we're looking at people saying, oh, that's somebody that's special or that's somebody that I I need to be aware of, they are not extra. They wouldn't be in my life or my path, be it on the freeway, in the grocery line, or in a class, some place that you are, that nobody's extra. And to me, that's been probably the biggest piece of compassion that I've learned. One of the reasons that you referred to toe reading, and people do laugh, they like toe reading. The, if I were to say what that, that technology is, the bottom line of that technology, it is, I see you. When you sit before someone and you look up at their heart and you ask permission to look down at their toes, realizing that everything that has ever happened in our life is stored in our body, and it does output itself in our tissue, that you literally have a good idea of what their soul's path is. Not that you can ever know. as You never know. And as coaches, as coaches we, we are always teaching, don't ever think that you know or that you can imagine Instead, ask. So what toe reading is, it is a very metaphoric coaching tool in which we imagine that we see something that has a story attached to it, and we ask. So toe reading is a coaching technique very specifically designed to create a safe space in which someone can speak their story in a way that perhaps they've never been asked before and be witness to what it is that they have walked. Hmm. That is really powerful. And it is powerful. Now, is it crazy? Absolutely. Absolutely. <laughs> and this and this is where if I had listened to all the people that told me it was crazy, I wouldn't have ever gone forward and and put it into a book, had it translated into Japan, or had it translated into Japanese, gone to Japan, trained people over there. Part of what I believe we will all come across in our path is someone that's a naysayer. Would you agree that somebody's going to be a naysayer? Of course. That is such a messenger. And if we think that their opinion is more important than the invitation or download that we've gotten from spirit we will never leave our comfort zone and do what we're here to do so in the beginning do you think people made fun of toe reading you betcha yeah absolutely and i was i ended up on a national tv program i've been interviewed by people all over the the country i've had a chance to travel because i didn't back down from something that seemed weird it was really interesting you mentioned celebrate your life Mm-hmm. Celebrate Your Life is going to be 25 years old this year, and that always makes me realize that toe reading is 20 years old because at the fifth Celebrate Your Life, we introduced toe reading, and so we began to read people's toes. And so at the time, one of the founders of Mishka Productions who puts on the Celebrate Your Life said, oh, I want you to meet this famous, famous author. And I'm not going to say his name because it doesn't matter. 
she said, you've got to meet him, and I know he's going to want to know about toe reading. And, oh, my gosh, Laura, I was so excited to be able to come and tell this particular author about toe reading. And there was a part of my conversation that said, oh, my gosh, if he just acknowledges toe reading, oh, my gosh, I will have made it. Yeah. So I walk in, and I he's got his back to me. I can see Ariel. And she is saying to him, oh, I can't wait for you to meet Casey Miller and have her tell you about toe reading. To which he said, you know, she just made that crazy stuff up. Can you imagine what my heart did? Like it stopped. (sighs) Yeah. And it was so great. It was like one of the best days of my life because I took a deep breath. I waved at her and I literally quietly backed out. I went and I, I... laid my back up against the wall next to the door and I began to first like (gasps) breathe like oh my gosh uh, oh my gosh he's not going to endorse me and this is what then came out I started to laugh hysterically I did I like oh my gosh oh my gosh oh my gosh spirit (laughs) is asking me to step up and believe what it is that I have been doing and not put my validation on someone else no matter how famous they are it was a right. game changer for me oh my so what I it was yeah. a game changer later on a couple of years later this particular author did end up endorsing to reading from the front of the room and so what what the lesson to me that night was we will be challenged we will be challenged and we're usually challenged by people that we on some level have made special right this was a famous author and it could be a famous author it could be our spouse it could be our mother it could be our best friend it could be others and what what i know in my life i've come to realize is there will be a day that we have to breathe into what is true for us even if those whose opinions we value, do not value our current work. That's huge. Like, that's huge. Yeah. You will be challenged, and that's part of the plan. So that's one of the things I love to teach people is look forward to the day mm-hmm. <laughs> that someone rejects and criticizes you because mm-hmm. you know you're on the path. Yeah, and and the challenge really then is uh, also about your conviction. Do you believe enough in yeah. you know in your in whatever it is you're you know you're all about to move forward in spite of their um, you know lack of support? Absolutely. I mean, now that I've come to understand this whole concept of that we we have these sacred agreements, we sign up for certain lessons, and that spirit reminds us little by little if we're willing to hear oh this is the next thing for you to when spirit gives us an idea it's an invitation to say yes or to ignore it and what i know as a holistic practitioner as a a instrument of spirit the more we begin to get attuned to these little invitations these little ideas we then can walk into it or we can walk away from it when we walk away from it we are never happy there's something that itches yeah to us and so i mean you know this this is exactly what happened to you 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 felt this it's what happens it's it's it is the mental shift like oh 
<laughs> yeah, it yeah. is. It, it really yeah. is. Um, I love that. And I'm not going to lie. My mind is racing through every person, every, every person that's been at Celebrate Your Life trying to go, maybe it was that guy. Maybe it was that guy. <laughs> I'm not going well, to ask you to tell me. Right, you know, let me just say that, that, that the person that did not give me the endorsement initially is on in heaven. And I oftentimes have these conversations saying, I remember when you said this, kind sir. Thank uh-huh. you for being my teacher. Thank you for yeah, being my teacher. Yeah, exactly. Ooh, I think and I that's know. <laughs> probably one of the most powerful affirmations I've ever learned, and that is to be able to say to anybody in my life, thank you for being my teacher, especially those that don't agree with me or make me really, really look at what I'm doing with my life. And yes. so if I were to say to someone that's new on this path of, of self-discovery and walking their destined path, I would say this anticipate criticism and absolutely embrace it because everybody has a naysayer. Like that's a part of what we get assigned to when we come to earth. We get a naysayer and yeah. they show up in many, many forms. And when they you do, begin they to, do. Un- and, you know, I, <laughs> I agree. I've taught myself and, you know, always remind myself um, that it's, it's those people that are, creating some degree of of doubt or or even conflict like you said those are the ones that are causing you um to have the opportunity to strengthen your conviction to go to the conviction and to go to the next level and to move forward with what it is you believe in if there's no if there's no conflict there and then it's too easy to just stay the same Definitely, and, and, and I'm sure I love the name of your program, Make the Shift. It's like you, you've yeah. got to make that shift. And part of it is is realizing that I, I think it all goes back to what I would call spiritual grit. Like we, we have to really have that that grit and that our, our interest and our ability is to climb the mountain of self-improvement or climb the mountain of self-discovery. And in our world here at Sweeha, we teach grit and the very first thing is growth mindset like are you a growth mindset or are you a fixed mindset like you're a growth mindset you're you said that you 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 like to search and 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 look for things growth mindset is for those that are not willing to have the status quo be the rest of their life that they're ready to grow with growth almost always we're going to find comes grumbling yeah so i always say that's why yeah, I I think it's true. Um, and sometimes, you know, sometimes the growth is really painful for some people. It I mean, is. Some, like, it you know, think, sometimes things just have to literally crumble down around you. That, 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 that chaos must occur in order for something new to come through. And exactly, it, which to me is then the definition of resilient. Like if, yeah. if you were to say, how would you describe yourself, Casey? One of the ways I would describe myself is resilient and reliable. It's like I like to say that I'm spiritually reliable and that I'm resilient. Like if I get a no, it's like, oh, okay, that must mean not enough information or not now. Mm-hmm. That the resiliency is in some way synonymous with just my relationship with spirit. Like let me be so related that it's not at all a personal thing. It's like, okay, that no is a redirect. That that no is 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 just a part of the, the part of it. So resiliency and that whole reliability is is a huge piece 
in the path of growing. I agree. I agree. I think, um, I, I actually, I believe, oh, maybe 10 or 15 episodes ago, I talked about resiliency and it is yeah. really important. I, 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 it's one of the words that I use to describe myself as well. We have that in common. Um, because if you, you know, part of that is like you just referred to not taking things personally. Um, no. and if you're going to take, things personally, boy, it's going to be very hard um, for you to, you know, to be resilient, for you to, to get up and do the things that you want to do, that you need to do, that you know you, you know, are craving to do for your own personal growth and, you know, quest for, you know, personal mastery, whatever it is. But, right, which then to me the the next letter in grit is is I, and that can certainly stand for integrity, or for me the word I use so often is invite. Let me just invite spirit to be a part of my life. Let me invite you to be a part of my conversation. That's I mean, I love that you reach out and invite people to go to a new level. Invite. If people were to begin to adopt this word, hmm, I think I'm just going to invite so-and-so to reconsider this, or I'm just going to invite myself to step into a new way. I mean, invite to me would possibly be my word for 2020. Like, let me just invite myself to go to a higher level so that I can be in my personal spiritual integrity. So yeah. I, I love that. And then, of course, T is one that you and I both have, and that's tenacity, that no matter what, we're going to be gritty and gaudy enough to just go for it, that there is that, there is that tenacity and that we, we hang on tight to the vision and messages that we truly believe we're getting. Mm-hmm. I love that grit. I'm making a little note here. <laughs> yes. Like that. That's perfect. So what, if I may ask, I want to find out a little bit more about who Katie was before there was a sweetheart. What, what were you doing before you became like literally the founder of a college? How did that happen? Well, I'll, I'll just go back a little bit to your, um, your question in that I was basically raised as the oldest son. My father didn't ever treat me like I was anything other than a son. So I have always been kind of a front person for him being in business. So I was raised in an entrepreneurial home and there was a full expectation that we would always be in our own business or we would be a leader. So I do have to say my foundation was, was perfect and it wasn't perfect in that, that I came out of a, um, an alcoholic home. And those that have come out of that home, those type of homes, always have a special resiliency. They have a special grit to them. So I would have to say that my, my foundation was being pushed to do the best I can, and there was certainly a, a dysfunction around that. So my first jobs were always in sales or public relations or doing something that was entrepreneurial. That's, that was my original background. But what happened was that through a series of events, I ended up going on a firewalk with Anthony Robbins. Oh. And yeah. So it wow. was one of those things. I had been in, I had been in sales. I had my own business. I had my own little public relations uh, business. I was promoting uh, best-selling authors and doing all of these seminars. And I was like, you know, somewhere between 26 and 29. That's what I did. And so that was pretty pretty bold. And mm -hmm. and that's what I was doing. I have the honor of being the very youngest 
first female that was ever working with the Small Business Administration. And so imagine being um, now about 27 years old, getting hired by the Business Administration because they had a new uh, uh, direction that they were going to be now working with women. This is an interesting thing. Be, it, 30 years ago, when you went to the Small Business uh, Administration, you had to be a man. You had to have da 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 da, and to be a woman wasn't anything that they even had coaches around. Isn't that something? That's crazy. It's crazy. I know. So imagine that I am pushy. I'm a little bit bold, and I say I want to be a business consultant and I want to work with women. So it was like I, I I can still remember the the man that I was interviewing with. I could feel him kind of tense up and kind of scooting his feet, realizing that they obviously knew that they had to change with the times. So my privilege was to be able to help women business owners write business plans. And one of the very first business plans that I ever wrote was for a woman who was a massage therapist that was going to introduce into Arizona something known as corporate chair massage. And she had invented this little corporate chair that she would take into offices and do clothes massage. Now, this was outrageous 35 years ago. This Mm -hmm. was just like outrageous. And what happened is that we were able to create a business plan, create a model, create a training. Everything was quantified. It was just beautiful. And she ended up getting a loan for $10,000. Now, back then, that was like $100,000. It allowed her to do advertising and public relations and all of this. So she was just doing gangbusters. And so she was getting lots of press, but boy, I was getting a lot of press for being someone that could help another woman be in business. A side story is she's on her way up to a corporate account. She was in a little suit, and back in those days, women always wore high heels, even if you were a massage therapist. I mean, that's how ridiculous it was, right? Wow. (laughs) It's crazy, too. I know. I know. We've come a long ways, right? Yeah. So she fell, and she broke her back, and... Her business survived because it had a business plan, it had everything quantitative, and she was able to, from her hospital room, call corporate uh, companies, arrange to have a massage therapist come in and do corporate massage, and she was making money by helping other people do their passion. That was that was just like the I felt, oh my gosh, that's the best you could possibly be. So after that success, I was invited into a little massage school to be the business teacher. It's Mm. like if you did this for one massage therapist, you should be able to do it for everyone. And so I was hired to be a entrepreneurial teacher for massage therapists, and that was in about 1989. Okay. Okay. I'm there. Imagine this. When you're in a massage class, you never want to have it be an odd number of people. You always want it to be even. And they didn't have an even number, so they came to me and said, would you be a body? Well, that wasn't hard to say yes to. So I was like, yeah, sure. sure. I'll, I'll lay down and you can work on it. After yeah. this woman worked on me, she said, now you do me. I said, hey, excuse me. I am a business person. I am a salesperson. I don't, I don't do this hands-on stuff. She says, no, no, you, you have to. You have to put your hands on me. You have to slide down my spine. And you have to do exactly what I did to you. Well, she was not one that was going to take no. So here's the part of the story, Lori. 
I put my hands on her back and I went up her spine almost as if it was a zipper and I left my body. I had my first out-of-body experience and I saw the rest of my life. I saw that I would own a massage school, I would train hundreds of people and I always saw myself that day, that instant, however long that was, I saw that I would be making a worldwide expression of healing arts. I came wow. back into my body. I stayed in that class, and I graduated as a massage therapist. And I mean—I don't mean to not be humble. I was amazing at, at hands-on healing. Like I could feel things in people's body. I knew where to go. And I, I developed a very successful massage practice right out of, out of school. I left school and started a, a practice. And it was because I was so clear that I was being directed to be a part of the healing of bodies by being able to fully work into their energetic system by the guidance of spirit. Now, I don't think you're going to think that's crazy. No. No. At at the time. It felt very crazy. Sure. Like people are, you're, you're going to leave your, your public relations business. You're going to be a massage therapist. I mean, oh, my God. This sounds like it I, might be at least one of your going rogue stories. It might have been one of my growing rogue stories. Absolutely. I, I tell my dad, Dad, I'm, I'm so excited. I, I'm going to be a massage therapist. I'm going to open a private practice. And now my dad was my best cheerleader. And so in the Christmas letter that year, he writes, I'm so proud of my daughter. She started a massage parlor, and I hope <laughs> she does really well. <laughs> because that's what, back in 35 years ago, that's what massage was. It was like, oh, massage. Right. Well, it was amazing. I didn't start a massage parlor. I started a <laughs> massage school. My dad didn't understand it, and that was okay because I understood it. Right. So we started as a massage school, and very quickly we realized it was more the massage. We had a chance to bring in Reiki and then hypnotherapy, and then we brought in nutrition, and it just very quickly snowballed into it needed to be a healing arts school. So go rogue, oh my gosh. I mean, everything that I had been trained to do, I was in the middle of, of working on a, um, a, on a degree in business. I didn't need a degree in business in that I had to be in business, and really, my story hasn't changed a lot. I still love helping other people, men or women, create businesses that are sustainable. I love the healing arts. I still love to do massage. And what I realized is that the clarity that I got from walking on fire with Anthony Robbins, that's where I started with his story, mm-hmm. was I knew I had to do something different. I knew I had to break through everything that was holding me back. And that was that at the time my business was tiny. I was right at the the decision, was I going to go bigger or was I going to close it and get a real job? Right. And my, my, when I walked on fire, what I realized is, oh my gosh, I have to go bigger. I have to do whatever it is that I, I need to do. And that is to serve more people through the Small Business Administration, or maybe I become a small business. Wow. Mm-hmm. So, you know, so. It, it's, it's one of those things where once you begin to fully trust spirit, amazing things happen. Now, I can't, 
I can't promise every single person that if they put their hands on the, on somebody's back, they're going to leave their body and have a, have a an right. out of body experience and see their life. But what I can tell you now is that when people get quiet enough and they begin to ask, wow, what would you have me do? How can I best serve? Answers begin to come. I, I know you've experienced this yourself. Sure. Yeah. Yes. Where would you have me go? Right. What would you have me do? Um, I, I like I like the, uh, the, uh, the Course in Miracles. Um, I love the Course in Miracles. And that yes. has... That has been a foundational philosophy. It's like, what do I choose to believe? I do think that at some point we all go through a place where we'll have that dark night and we have to look at what have I believed and what will I believe. You call it the shift. I love that. Mm -hmm. My shift came right about the same time I was starting Sweetha. I found the Course in Miracles. And the Course in Miracles has created a course of miracles for my life Mm -hmm. so fascinating first of all i got absolutely chills all up and down when you told me about your out-of-body experience when you first laid hands on that lady that's amazing um second of all this whole fire walking thing i'm so i've been so intrigued by it and then when i when i um talked with with james um for the listeners, uh, one of the instructors at Sweeha, um, and he was saying um, that he's, you know, was uh, certified and is starting fire walking at Sweeha now, and yeah. it's been on my mind to be able to at some point get get back over there, get to Arizona and do the fire walking thing. And now that you've told me that you got to do it with Tony Robbins, I'm like, yeah, Ooh, I'm kind of, I'm, I'm kind of fired up again about it. <laughs> Absolutely. So, In fact, it's, it's fun because um, it'll, it, by the time this podcast plays, it will be after the fact, but the first weekend in January, um, we were doing a fire walk and it, it wow. did it. It's like Anthony Robbins originally inspired me. He was the, the, the business emphasis behind my change of, of attitude. And so when when two of our life coaching instructors came to me a year ago and said, Casey, there's more. We, we need to do more. I, what could it be? And I said, well, well, why don't we think about both of you becoming firewalking instructors, mm-hmm. facilitators. Why don't you go do that and bring it back to Sweeha? And both sh- – uh, James Patrick and Sharon Rose says, yeah. So part of what I think happens in business is that we get to a certain point where we have the obligation, the the privilege, the honor of helping others excel. So as much as I wanted to become a firewalking facilitator myself, it's going to be better for two of our active life coaches to mm-hmm. go and facilitate coaching it doesn't matter if you literally walk on fire or if you're a coach that can help people walk through the fires of their mind of all of the programs i'm so honored that you were a part of being an instructor here at the at Mm -hmm. sweeha in our life coaching program because you see the transformation that people make when they make the commitment to get out of their comfort zone and become coaches yeah yeah, absolutely. And really it the transformation is um it's so uh it's so beautiful and it and it also I think I think what's really cool is that people realize that even if they decide that they're not going to 
make a living or become a full-time professional life coach, the the transformation of what's happened to them personally, you know, is, is completely alters how they move forward from that point on in their lives and will affect the people around them. It's such an amazing way to serve. And so when, when people ask me about toe reading, it's all about coaching in a way that you see people and help them move forward. In fact, I'm so excited to be able to, to share with you that we now have a service here at Sweeha that's called guidanceoncall.com. And it's for people that are interested in some kind of guidance and they're interested in using a coach, a, an intuitive reader, or a toe reader, or a nutritional um, assessment as a way of, of forwarding their life. And so this is just something new that we're launching. And anyone that is listening, I want to just make this offer. If they go to guidanceoncall.com and just say that they have heard it from Lori's program, we'll give them a complimentary first-time coaching session at no charge just to give them the opportunity to experience what it's like to be fully held and have compelling questions asked so that they might create more in their life. So I just appreciate the opportunity to, on your behalf as well as the school's behalf, offer people the opportunity for a complimentary life coaching session by just going to guidanceoncall.com. Okay, that's just awesome. And I will, um, I'll post that also in the uh, in the show notes at the end. So when people pull up the podcast, they'll see that website there. Wonderful. Thank you. Yeah. Thank you. So so the inspiration for for Sweeha literally was kind of just m- more of a of an evolution thing. It wasn't like you woke up one morning with this like Shazam, I need to start a college. It was kind of just one step and then the next step and it just sort of evolved into that. Is that It was. I, I mean, I was working by that time. Obviously, I was working for a massage college. I had my private practice and what the kind of the, the bottom line was, I I had gotten married and um, I, my husband and I were on this little mini vacation and I said, you know, I just, I just feel like spirit is telling me to do massage a different way because I went to a school that was strictly Western. There was no spirit. You could not talk about anything energetic. Uh, it was run by a, a, an old German doctor that, I mean, it was massage, it's muscle. There was no dimension to it. And so my new husband says to me, well, what would it take to start a college? And I said, oh, I don't know, like probably $3,000 you'd have to pay the first month's rent and your deposit. He writes me out a check for $3,000 and I go and rent a two-room wow. little place. Little did I know that, that $3,000 and yet I didn't know that you couldn't start a college for $3,000. Yeah. And the biggest the biggest commitment I made to to the divine was this. I will not be a business that does not bring spirit into it. Everything I do will involve spirit. Everything will involve prayer. Our staff meetings will involve prayer. We will teach mind, body, spirit. And yes, it did just evolve because I was evolving into spirit. So yes, I to this day I thank 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 my husband for loaning me three thousand dollars, and I always say to him, and I have paid you that back. Yeah, <laughs> that's our. That's and, awesome. And <laughs> what did I start, sweetheart? On I started on faith. It's like I knew very 
clearly that I was being asked to do something different. Now, I haven't always known everything to do. One thing I do know is that if you don't know, ask someone else, invite them to partner with you, invite them to coach you. I can't even tell you how many times I I went to different people and saying, I don't know how to do this. Could you coach me? Mm-hmm. I'm not sure how to. And I and I say that to new entrepreneurs. If you don't know how to do something, invite someone to coach you or partner with you. And that's how you really begin to grow and get momentum in your life. Right. Yeah. I mean, there's nothing wrong with seeking out support and help, especially from, yeah, I mean, because we we can't all be really, you know, brilliant at every single aspect of our business. Very few of us are. We We have our strengths and the things that aren't, it just is logical to seek out, you know, help from people that do have strengths in the areas where we don't. And and everybody wins, and we create something amazing. Um, we always say that that a good coach has a coach, a good business person has a a, a biz uh, has a coach. Mm-hmm. So it's like sometimes we get in our own way and we can't see out of what we have created as a paradigm. So that's one of the reasons that 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 I just love as a coach. I have a coach. My guess is that at one time or another, you've had a coach. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. And Absolutely. so it's like coaches have coaches entrepreneurs have coaches, successful people use guidance. They use other people to help guide them. They call on, on the divine to guide them. It's all about mm-hmm. the the willingness to show up as an instrument of spirit. Yeah, yeah. So uh, that brings me to my next question. When or or how did your spiritual path begin? Like who were your favorite mentors or spiritual teachers or authors? What what grabbed you and when did that happen for you? I don't ever not remember having a relationship with spirit. This is a true story. I tell it and it sounds a little outrageous, but it's so true. My first memory is when I was standing in a crib looking up at the ceiling and this is what I said. Are you kidding me? We have to do this again? <laughs> I, Awesome. And it's funny because we have a wonderful hypnotherapist named Linda Bennett, and she's even taken me into a past life. And she goes, "Yep, that that was your first life. You 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 were." And so I've never not known spirit. So all along my life, I've been very involved with Sunday school. We, my father, no matter what he did on Saturday night, we were in church on Sunday morning. And it's like I I was involved with with. Um, Sunday school and Bible school and you know, all of that. So I never didn't know that. I loved going to all sorts of churches. From from the time that I was uh, in high school, I would always wander through different schools. So I say that I've, I've, I've tried everything. Mm-hmm. And the turning point for me was when I hit a bottom and I needed so I needed a miracle and I found a course in miracles. And that was that's been the foundation for the longest part of my life. And so out of Course in Miracles I studied in the Unity uh, tradition and just have studied everything. Like I love the Yoga Sutras and I love Course in Miracles. I've done study groups for now this is my um third year. I'm going into my fourth year of, of every day posting either about the Yoga Sutras or about A Course in Miracles. This year, I have a new piece of work that is 
combining A Course in Miracles and correlating it with Yoga Sutras. And in fact, I'm so excited. In just a few weeks, I'm leaving for India to go and study the Yoga Sutras at the foot of Amrit Desai, who, which was one of the original uh, yogis that brought yoga to America. And I have the great privilege of going and sitting at his feet to be a student so that I might better understand how the Yoga Sutras really reflect today's wisdom and how does that correlate with A Course in Miracles. Mm -hmm. That is fascinating. Oh, that's (laughs) going to be an amazing experience. It's going to be an amazing experience. It is. Excited for you. And, you know, and that is an interesting thing um, when you say about how it correlates with A Course in Miracles. I have found so much of that in the different spiritual teachings that, that I've been able to dive into in in my life that the core even though there's a lot of different words and phrases and ways of saying things it seems like there is definitely a common thread in the fundamentals of just about everything it's absolutely yeah it's the it's fundamentals just, boil down to be still call, invite spirit, and return to your sanity, that we all get in our crazy humanity, and that part of the prayer is be still enough to allow sanity to become present so that you might be in the presence of the divine. To me, that's the summary of of whatever religion that you are involved with. Be still and know. Mm-hmm. That, that's a pretty good summary right there. <laughs> yeah. Yes. Really? Yes. So you don't. So you don't have like one favorite spiritual teacher or author that. Other you than you know, I, I don't because I have such a personal relationship with the divine. I just yeah. finished ten weeks of Kriya Yoga, which is a very intense um, meditation and um, uh, breath work. And what for me, I my guru is the Christ. I love. I have a picture in my meditation room of Jesus sitting and meditating, and so. My teacher is what I understand my guru to be. I call it the Christ. Mm-hmm. I don't think that there was just one master teacher. I do resonate most directly with the Christ. And I visualize and meditate on his eye. And oftentimes that eye will morph into other teachers or other people that I can learn from. And again, I, I always realize that what, whether it's a book whether it is is a quote, even Facebook has become a place of spiritual informa- information and inspiration. Mm-hmm. So yes, my foundation is the Christ. In the end, it's it's about my relationship with the divine. And I've just I've there's I can't even tell you the amount of churches and literature. And if you saw my library, you're like you're hoarding, mm-hmm. Casey. And it, I do. I love I love anything. I would say, I'm a gaudy girl, like give me a a gaudy piece of jewelry, give me a gaudy book, or give me a gaudy moment with the divine, and I'm a happy girl. Oh, that's awesome. I love that. (laughs) Gaudy, that's awesome. I'm I'm gaudy. I'm gaudy. (laughs) I like it. So, all right. I read, I believe I read in your bio somewhere that it said that because of a severe learning disability, you found out how quick people are to place labels on others. Can can you speak to oh, that a little a- bit? 
I mean, absolutely. I was a child that was a dyslexic. A dyslexic is the way that your brain is born. It's not like it's a disease. It's just the way that you are divinely created. And so uh, when I was about in the third grade, I was tested and they realized it wasn't that I was lazy or stupid. It was that my brain did not see letters the way that other people did. And luckily, I had an amazing teacher that said, you know, when when God closes one door, he opens another bigger door. And so I didn't always, wasn't always able to read, but I could imagine and I could tell stories. And, and like if I would read a story and then I would retell it to the class, they just loved the way I was able to weave words. That came from the very, very beginning. And yet what I found is when I went into high school and definitely even when I was in massage school, if you said to somebody, well, you know, she's dyslexic. They would, my science teacher in massage school came over to me and he said, I understand that you're dyslexic. And I said, yes, I am, sir. And he, in my face said, well, you will learn how to spell and pronounce sternoglidomastoid. And I remember my body just vibrating with like, Ugh. He was Ugh. judging me. He was treating me as if I was deaf and dumb. And wow. it was like, ugh. And it was amazing because, yes, I got a D in his class in anatomy. And a couple years later, I ended up buying that school. Oh, nice. <laughs> so one of the first things that I did was free his future. <laughs> not in a bad way, but in a way where that's not the way education is. And so one of the things that for a while I, I had – Sweetheart, as well as I had uh, another college that I owned. And the the biggest thing that we did was make sure that no one was labeled based on their learning style or the way that their brain was sent to earth. So uh, sometimes it's hard to be a dyslexic because you don't spell well. It's so embarrassing if you make a post and, and there are words that are, are little words that are left out or, or whatever. One of the hardest things for me is to read in public, and yet I read ferociously. Mm -hmm. I, it's hard for me to read out loud. So that could stop you. Yes, people could judge you. What I've come to realize, it's because of that, that the door to creativity, the door to non-judgment, the door to, like I hold a wide space for people that are eccentric, are different, are out of the ordinary, because my brain is that way. And what right. I realize is the gift I was given was complete compassion for those that don't do things the way that other people do them, they don't see it the way. Like that's that's my that's what what I'm here to do is realize just because your brain isn't the way the most of the people's, just because you have to use spell check and you have to have an editor and you have to da 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 da, yeah. doesn't mean that you will not be given amazing assignments and that it's the details that others can help you with. It's the bigger vision that I must stay true to. Yes, yes. Oh, I'm so inspired. And by the way, um, to <laughs> this, this, the phrase that you kind of went over real quick um, when you bought the school and you said you, you freed his future. Yes. <laughs> that was the, the most um, lovely <laughs> way of, of putting that that I've ever heard. <laughs> That's awesome. Freed his future. Oh, my goodness. So 
what is something that people don't know about you, Casey? What is something that people don't know about me? Well, one of the things, it's old news now, and yet in the, in its time, it was a very big part of my particular growth, and that was that I was a race car driver. Uh-huh. When my, yes, when my husband and I first married, I used to do, go skydiving. And I was in the era when you could sky, skydive without a jump master. It was like in the old days, you could, you would spend uh, a weekend uh, prepping, and at the end of the weekend, you would, would crawl out the edge of a plane and you'd just fly back and you would actually just static line um, skydive. So wow. that's what I was doing when I met my husband. And he said, um, I'm not sure I want to do that. Why don't you come and let's race this Corvette together? So I have always had a pretty heavy foot, and I, what, he had me <laughs> try his Corvette. And it was more fun than jumping out of, out of planes. So I began to have that be my focus and decided that I would do whatever it took to be a really good race car driver. My goal was to be a race car driver and have somebody sponsor my tires. <laughs> so <laughs> I, 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 and what I realized is I, the reason I was so good at race car driving was that I would walk the course, I would see the course, and I would always see myself finishing as a hot shot champion. Like, let me just be a hot shot champion. Like, that was our hot shot champion. That was our, our mantra. Mm-hmm. And I, for two years in a row, I was awarded the fastest woman Corvette driver in Arizona. Wow. <laughs> so it was great. And let me tell you what stopped me. The third year I'm out, I am walking the course, and I hear two women behind me, and they said, you know, she is a witch. Do you see her? <laughs> like, she, 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 she's visualizing. You can hear her doing some kind of chant. I mean, oh, my gosh, she is a witch. And I'm pretty sure they said witch and not bee. Uh-huh. I wasn't sure. And Maybe. I said to my husband, I don't need this. I do not need this. I have lots of other things that I could be doing. And he says, oh, don't listen to them. And I said, you know what? I am going to listen to the fact that I've been there. I've done that. I'm going to go do something else. And so I left. And when my husband went race car driving, I ended up going to yoga and then through a series of events became a yoga teacher. So the story to that is that when you set your mind to it and you use these mental technologies that are available to us, visualizations and mantras, and we set our goal, you can accomplish almost everything, anything, and you don't have to stay and do it forever. You can go on. Now, my husband, interestingly enough, to this day, 30-some years later, still races cars, and he says, do you ever want to get back into it? It's like, "Mm, no, been there, done that. Got the yeah. award. Want to yeah. do something different? Yeah, there are and things yet, like that that you just have a yeah. passion for, but it, yeah. it it turns out that it's not a lifelong passion. It's yeah. something that you you know you do it, and then you feel like okay, I've 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 scratched that itch. I've checked that box, yep. and feel really good about it. I'm glad I did it, yeah. and now I feel like I want to yeah devote my my time and resources to the next thing. That's exactly right. So that's no longer on my resume. I'm <laughs> It's it's old enough that I retire that. What what what's now on my resume is that I am an amazing granny. I have seven grandchildren, and I have I love being in their lives and being very alive and a little bit of a rogue granny. Like my two youngest grandchildren recently said, "Granny, I think we're going to get in trouble." I said, 
let's don't tell anyone. We probably won't get in trouble. And like you could see, they have such a wonderful mommy, and she really has them toe this very fine line. And they're like, are you kidding? You mean we could we could do that? And I love being that rogue granny that says, yeah, yeah, we, we, we probably can color outside of the lines. Yeah, we probably can cut the line. Yeah, we probably. And so I know that I'm loved for being crazy. I know that I'm loved. They, not that they would use your word of rogue, but I know that that's what I am. It frees them to be outside of who society thinks that they could be. So I love my new role as granny. That's beautiful. Yes, I see a lot of pictures of you and your beautiful yeah. grandchildren. So yeah. I think that's appropriate. I mean, it's just kind of fascinating when you look at this, this um, you know, timeline, so to speak. I mean, um, from, you know, doing um, where you started and with the, with the massage um, dare I say parlor? <laughs> yes, my, my massage parlor. <laughs> Your massage parlor to, um, yes, to race car driver, um, you know, uh, founder of a college and, and now on to being a rogue granny. I mean, that's a pretty, pretty creative and delightful, varied resume. <laughs> I just, I think I it's blessed. awesome. I think it's amazing. I, I feel blessed and I, I feel so lucky that I'm very, very close with all of my siblings. Um, I have an amazing husband. Um, so I do know that I am blessed. There are those that, when I think about those that, that don't have a supportive family, they don't have a loving husband, um, they, I, I always pray for them because mm-hmm. I know how blessed I am. Every day I am humbled in gratitude. And I just want to say thank you so much for the opportunities to share. I see you doing amazing things in the world, and I'm just humbled that I would have an opportunity to spend this hour with you. Ah, oh, thank you. I have so, so enjoyed it. So before I ask you my last couple of things and, and let you um, let you go and get home to your, your maybe your grandchildren and your wonderful husband, um, what's next for you? Anything else? Well, it'll be interesting. I, I, there is something percolating. Like I know there is uh, a reason that I'm going to India. Like when I'm talking to you, I get tearied, and there, there's something big there. Um, you know, I, I feel like there is a piece of work that I would love to publish. I would love to do that. I, my goal is to become one of the oldest yoga teachers in the world. So that means I can can teach for a very long time yet. Mm-hmm. Um, and what's next? Next is just a surrendering, a willingness. This is probably the first time ever in my life I didn't have a specific next. My next is to be still and know what the next is. I love that. Yeah, and it sounds like you have some, uh, I mean, this this thing going to India, who knows what, who knows oh, no. what you're going to come back with? It's so exciting. And I, I think it is kind of cool to just be able to be in a place where you don't necessarily have a specific plan. You're just open to, um, to you know, what, what spirit has in store for you. Right. So before I ask my final question, Casey, where can people find you or find out more about you or, and Sweeha? Are there some social media sites or websites you'd like to share? Well, I'm on um, I'm on Facebook just under Casey uh, Casey Miller, uh, and so that could be a possibility. I have a little presence on Instagram, and it's just Casey Miller dot Seeker. And um, then um, probably the best way is just to go to 
the SWIHA website. It's swiha.edu. Or um, I, the coaching that I'm currently doing, some of those demos are actually on guidanceoncall.com. If you are interested in knowing what it looks like to have a coaching session, I have coached and some of those videos are on that site. Um, that's probably one of the easiest ways. I answer all of my Facebook private messages as quickly as I can, so I, I try to be accessible and available. Okay. Perfect. Thank you. So what would you like to share with the listeners about the meaning or the value of going rogue? I would have to, I would have to go back to the, the quote that I want to be known for, and that is that if spirit gives you an idea, it's an invitation, and it will likely not be traditional. You will have to go rogue in order to fully step into what spirit wants you to do. So by claiming to be an instrument of spirit, I have claimed that I will breathe into whatever the outrageous, creative, awesome, miraculous idea that I have is and accept the invitation to be an instrument of spirit. I must get out of my comfort zone in order for spirit to use me. Perfect. That's beautiful. Thank you, Casey. I, I so appreciate the time that you spent with us today, and, and I really am truly grateful to you from both a personal standpoint and a professional one for the for the vision that you made a reality because it's it's had a direct and powerful impact on the course of my life. So so thank you for all of that and for the time today. I truly appreciate it and I hope that we can do it again at some point because I think you're gonna Absolutely. have some, some more good stuff <laughs> to share. There's there's more. I'd like to just have a whole podcast of, and talk about a course in miracles at some point. So. Yes. Oh I would too. Oh my gosh, let's do that. Okay. Yeah. All right. We'll all tee right. that up. Um, All right. So, Sounds great. Thank you. Happy New Year. Happy New Year to you. Blessings, blessings. Well, it started out almost 30 years ago as Casey's vision to open a modest massage therapy school, or as her father referred to it, a massage parlor, and it grew into the Southwest Institute of Healing Arts, Arizona's award-winning, nationally accredited, private holistic healthcare college, helping thousands of individuals advance their education, create their own visions for success, and launch their own great ventures. Casey Miller, indeed a very extraordinary woman who who heeded the call of spirit, she followed divine guidance, and she had the courage to go a little rogue when the situation called for it, resulting in the creation of a magnificent institution that serves people across the globe. What a truly wonderful example of what a person can accomplish when they are dedicated to making their vision a reality. Uh, they have conviction, and they, they trust in the process. They trust in spirit. Thank you so much for spending some of your valuable time hanging out with me and with Casey today, everybody. Please make sure to subscribe if you haven't already. And if you like what you heard, it would mean a lot to me if you would hit some stars and give me a rating. Believe it or not, the consciousness of humanity really is rising. I know it doesn't seem like that when you turn on the news, but it is. It's shifting for the better, and we all have a part to play. This Shifting and continual rise in consciousness is the solution to the problems that plague us. If you want to be part of the solution, just one of the many, many ways you can do that is by spreading positivity and good food for thought around. So 
please be sure to share this episode with your friends and family and anyone that you think uh, might benefit from it. If you're trying to make some shift happen in your life, you can find out what Private Coaching with Me is all about on lauriebischoff.com. I've helped lots of people clean up their mental diets and figure out their own shift. I'd love to connect with you on any of the social media platforms, so don't be shy. Stop by and say hi. Until next week, stay feisty, my friends, and go make some epic shift happen in your lives. That goes for you too, Gary V. The preceding podcast was a TJ DeSantis production. Comments, questions, and inquiries can be directed to desantisprod at gmail.com.